Hi, I'm Tina Spangler at TLC Barrels, and welcome to my podcast. It is September 6, 2022, and this is uh, Q&A 108. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to welcome a new member to my virtual coaching group, Haley in Florida. Um, I'd also like to shout out a big congratulations we had, I believe, over 22 names on the personal best list for August. And the winner of the drawing was um, Jalen and Jaxie. So congratulations. And Kelly, don't forget to let me know what you guys decided you want for your prize. And let's see what else. Um, we're going to get into the Q&A. Today I'm going to cover a lot of you in the group are getting ready for um, MBHA Open World. In October so we're going to go over how to prepare for world um, we're going to talk about that and our topic today is going to be right out of my training notebook um, chapter 5 TLC's top 10 drills um, and then if we have time we'll get into the next chapter but I think we'll just start there because I have a few questions to answer as well today um, so I had a funny first this weekend um, as I was reviewing some videos this holiday weekend for riders, uh, I got some in bathing suits, bikinis. So that's a first for me to review <laughs> review videos with people with nothing but bikinis on. And I have to tell you, that's not the best idea, ladies. Uh, two of you had wardrobe malfunctions where your bathing suits got stuck on your saddle horn. So there's probably a reason why we wear jeans and shirts. So anyways, um... It was kind of funny. But anyhow, uh, I do want to let you guys know um, when you signed up, just remember everybody should have got an email. In there is my training notebook, the horsemanship challenge, uh, Tina's tips A to Z, as well as um, uh, the 12-week foundation program and the one-year competition program outlines. And I'm going to be sending a new email soon with the... Uh, with the new train notebook updated. I haven't updated it really well since 2008 when it was originally published. And there's a lot of typing errors. There's a lot of things I say differently now. You know, it's been what, 2008 and 2022, that's a long time. So <laughs> that's what, 14 years, something like that? Eight, 10, maybe, yeah, 12, 12 or 14, I don't know, 12 years maybe. It's a while, so I can't do math on a, I'm tired tonight. So anyways, but it's been a while and it needs to be redone. So I'm redoing it. As with everything, you get better in time. And, um, you know, every horse and rider teaches me new things. Um, I learn how to communicate better. So every 10 years, I feel like I read something I wrote and I'm like, ooh, I, I say that way better now than I used to. And, and you just learn how to communicate better to people. So that's why I'm redoing it. I'm not really going to change it. I just want to make it better and make it where it is more understandable. Um, and the, still, there'll be a lot of the videos and the diagrams you're still going to want to get from the the uh, members only page uh, or in the group or at the my YouTube page. But anyway, so um, let's see here. We've had about 20 videos come in from the holiday weekend, so that's pretty great. And we've had about one, two, three, four, five, five or six personal bests this weekend, so that's awesome. And um, let's see, I think that's pretty much, 
I also wanted to mention I do have my new record keeper come out. I did a podcast about it. I want to thank Lauren Terrell of Blue Creek Photography. She designed um, she designed my covers for my new performance tracker record keeper, and that's updated now too. Um, again, these things were made for clinics many years ago, and like I said, 2008, just to hand out to help people retain more of what they learned in the clinic. But now with the virtual coaching group, and I'm much more detailed with people being out of state, I don't actually get to meet you. And I'm trying to coach not as much one-on-one, -on -one, but to the whole group as a whole, to 100 barrel raisers at once. Um, I want to make it better. So, so that's done. And you can buy it on Amazon for $10. But I'm also going to email it to the group members because I've got all your emails. That's on my list to do too. But that's not going to happen until I finish the training notebook. I got to get the training notebook done before mid-September, so it'll be printed by October, so I'll have it for my clinics. Uh, I've got five clinics from October to December that I want to give them out at. So anyways, I've got to get that done, and then I'm going to do my email list and update you guys and give you all the new stuff, all um, all the new, new prints. Now, you can just um, print them out and put them in a three-ring binder. If you choose to, or you can just go on Amazon, and buy it for $10 and ship it free prime video, uh, prime shipping. So, um, whatever works for you. So I make them inexpensive because it's, uh, it's just something that I want you guys to have to help you reach your goals, um, keep you organized and focused and, and, um, anyways, so that's that. And let me see here. What else? What else? I'm going to go ahead and answer some of the questions, um, um, but before I do that, let's go ahead and talk about getting ready for world. Um, okay, first thing I want you to think about is this, and this is really important. Um, when, before you even get to world, I want you to tell me, or tell yourself, um, when was your best run, okay? That's the run you want to try to duplicate. Was it a run where you rode really aggressive? Or was it a run where you were going for smooth and it was fast? Um, because here's the thing. If you get to world and you change stuff, it's not going to go well for you. Okay. I can tell you that right off the bat. What you want to do is prepare. So I'm going to go ahead and discuss that now. Um, we're at least a month out, right? A little over that is towards the what, end of October. So this would be the perfect time to schedule a vet check with your performance sports medicine vet. And just do a lameness evaluation, make sure your horse is okay. Um, you know, you can check for ulcers, bleeding, anything that concerns you, hoof pain. Um, I would not get my horse, I would not have my farrier do my horse a week before world because God forbid he trims them short or gets a nail too, too close and they get a, a hot nail or something or they trim them a little short. You know, that's not the best situation, especially with all the cement and and everything and the fact that they'll be stalled and all that so so definitely if you're if you're that close to getting your fair due i do them the monday when you get back or i would um, do them two weeks before you leave that way if anything needs some time to grow out they can so um but definitely that now's the time for vet checks um you can get your chiropractor massage therapy you know theraplate beamer blanket MagnaWaves, whatever it is that you like to do for your horse, uh, get all that in order. Uh, make a checklist. That's the number number one thing was 
your vet check and your farrier, all that stuff. Make sure all those appointments are handled. Check your Coggins, your health certificate, all those papers that you might need. So number two is your checklist. Start making a checklist of what, and that's going to be in my new training notebook as well. I mean, my new uh, performance tracker. There's a page on checklist for what to bring for your horse, what to bring for you, what to bring for emergencies, what for overnight, um, you know, uh, all that stuff. Your first aid kit, uh, how to check your truck and trailer, you know, tires and oil and all that stuff. Now is the time to get all that organized, okay? Because you don't want to be trying to do that stuff all the first a week out because life always goes crazy in different directions. So you want to be organized and start planning that stuff out now. Number three uh, is your game plan. Um, I want you to treat it like your best runs. Ideally, if you've been there before, that's that's what you want to think about. You know, how did you handle that pin there before? When when did it go well for you? When did it not go well for you? If you've never been there before, then think of arenas that are like that pin. Um, and you can, you, you know, go to YouTube videos and look at look at world and, and runs there and, and kind of get a game plan. You know, the blind alley, the short score, you know, the, the things like that. So obviously there's two different arenas. So that makes a difference as well. But um, but these are the things that you want to start thinking about now. You want to have your journal. You want to start keeping records. Um, you don't want to change a lot when you go to World. You want to be maybe go to um, a couple jackpots. That's number four. Okay, so number three is your game plan. Treat it like all your good runs. Don't change things. Like don't go get in the World and change in your saddle, your bit, your riding cues your warm-up, your horse needs consistency from you. They need that calm, confident leader. Um, visualize positive things. Um, remember, this week, or excuse me, this month, challenges, okay, that's important for this. This will tie right into world. Um, this month's challenges for September are going to be going uh, back to basics for skill, meaning uh, rider's cues, if there's any Holes in your foundation for riding cues, focus on that this month. If there's any holes in your horse's foundation, focus on that this month. So that could be a loose frame whoa, that could be transitions, that could be uh, rollbacks, that could be perfect circles, all speeds, all sizes. Um, for the rider, it could be, you know, looking and riding between your horse's ears. It could be uh, riding one-handed or riding uh, in your turns or riding two hands till spot one. Um, it could be all those different things, using your legs more, you know, focus on any things like that that you need to do and do it through drills and stuff during the week for your muscle memory. Um, and then, of course, the mindset challenge for September is keeping it positive. So that's really important. You know, it's really easy to be happy and positive when you're winning, when life is, you know, nothing but uh, lemonade, but all of a sudden things can start going sideways. Things start breaking, horses get hurt or sick, or God forbid, you know, things go a little wonky left or right. That's when you really have to summon your positivity and find the good through the bad and keep working through things. And, um, you know, that's that's where, that's where rodeo gets hard. You know, rodeo and life have a lot in common, so that's where you have to have a positive mindset. Um, it's a good time to start visualizing how you're going to behave and act, um, the days prior to competition. Um, that's something that I've talked about in a previous uh, podcast. You can always look that up as well. 
you know, familiarizing yourself with the arena when you, your pre-race routine, right? When you get there and you kind of find where the stakes are, the timers and the, how the ground looks, the alleyway, make your plan, visualize yourself in that arena, visualize yourself riding your horse smooth as fast. Okay. So, um, you know, you've, you've been on your horse long enough to know what's just right with your horse. You know, just enough, uh, you know, the difference between a half a second is sometimes just an inch of loose rain or just a little more fire from the alleyway or out of a turn, but not all of a sudden kick and spurring all the way to the barrel Then you've never done that before because your horse isn't going to rate, they aren't going to turn. So there's a whole lot of difference between overriding and riding calm and confident and assertive, giving them a clear go cue, giving them a clear rate cue, giving them a clear turn cue, and then again, driving out again. So, so those things all matter. So, um, so like I said, go ahead and tie in this month's challenges with part of how you're preparing for world. All right. So, um, the fourth thing is, um, if you can, it's a good idea to get to a jackpot or two or any kind of covered arenas that might be similar to that situation there. Maybe something that might be, you know, safe ground. You don't want to risk any injuries to your horse. Like right now there's a lot of rain and stuff going on. I wouldn't take them to a really sloppy pin and risk slipping or hurting your horse before world. But, um, but definitely make just timing runs where you're focused on being smooth and, you know, having that like 1% goal in mind that, you know, this time I'm going to ride to my spots or use my legs or two hands up in the hole or, you know, pick that one thing you want to focus on that, you know, is your deal. You know, I just want to have a smooth run, that kind of stuff. So, so that would be important. Number four, um, the number five is your mental zone. You've got to know how to get yourself in the zone. Um, a lot of that comes through breathing and meditating, and I don't want to get all crazy about that, but keep it simple. Don't get all complicated. People make, a lot of people overthink it already. So horses aren't like that. Horses are in the moment, and that's what you need to be too. You need to be present and in the moment. So take really deep breaths in and out, you know, and just really settle yourself down. Get in that go, go zone, not the no-go, you know, get where you're calm and you're confident and you have positive thoughts, you know, have that routine of yours, maybe you say a little prayer, pet your horse, see your run, and then just take some deep breaths, wait for them to call your name, and then head to that alleyway and just think of one or two things you need to execute, like riding to your spots, you know, and, you know, using your legs or something, whatever your main thing is, so some of you might be, it, you know, sit and say, whoa, some of you, might be two hands up in the hole, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, so everybody's going to have their own deal that they're focused on. Um, that's something that you want to have in mind already. So have your in the zone mental game, how you get yourself prepared. That can be your one minute positive sprint where you self-talk you, you, how, how you and your horse are prepared and ready for it. Okay. And how you get into your go zone where you're calm and you're confident is that very well thing. Being prepared, you know, getting there early to get warmed up, having already done your practice and preparing. Um, and then, of course, you know, having visualized how you're going to handle it and you and your horse just being calm and connected. And then just go out there and have fun and let it happen. Be in the moment. 
um, you know, that's important. If you let any negativity in, you just got to replace it with a positive. And, you know, make sure you're in that go mode. Get, get in the zone mode. So, uh, let's see here. Number six, like I mentioned before, focus on your highlights. Focus on your best runs. Visualize those, you know, or watch those videos. You know, get yourself a game plan. Um, and let, if you have... If you go there and it's one, two, you know, it's it's a couple go arounds, right? So, you know, learn from each go around. If you have a bad run, you guys have to just learn to shake it off, have a positive attitude, learn from it, let it go, and have a new plan for your next run. And then for each run, ev evaluate that run. You can send it to me. You can just evaluate it yourself, whatever you feel is, is best. And when you're at a two or three day event, I'm not going to give you drills and pick, pick, pick. I'm going to focus because I know you're at a big event. I'm going to give you one or two things to think about to, or, or if it's a good run, you just go and try to repeat that run the next run. You know, you just keep doing what you've been doing. Don't get, don't get crazy. And that's the thing too. Whatever you do at home, your practice, your tuning, that's what you got to trust when you get to the show. You know, that's then that way you, you're already ready and your horse is confident that way too because they know that, you know, hey, this is the same as at home. No big deal. She's warming me up the same. She's riding me the same. She's acting the same. It's important to your horse. Okay. So let's see. Number seven. This is important too. Um, if you haven't been there, um, you might want to think about some extras for your horse. You might want to have some mats put down in their stalls. You might want easy ride or cloud boots to make them more comfortable for the hauling or the stalling. Um, you may want to bring pelleted bedding, not just shavings if they allow them because it really uh, helps with the urine and the moisture in the ground. Um, it makes the shavings last longer. Um, and then uh, if, if you can get turnout time or Make sure you hand walk them a lot. Just spend time getting them out of those stalls. Because remember, the stalls are noisy. They're stressful. The lights are on at nighttime. And there's a lot of horses screaming and a lot of people coming in and out at different hours. And just a lot going on. So your horse is going to be under a little more stress and maybe not resting as well. So do whatever you can do to keep them as calm as you can. Um, you know, when you book stalls, sometimes you can ask for them across from each other so your horse has a buddy. Or you could ask for on the end or, you know, if you know places that your your horse will have more air flowing through the barn or whatever, you can maybe pick your stalls, things like that. So it's not too hard, you guys. I don't want to overcomplicate it. That's um, seven basic things to get ready for world. So those are the seven things that I think are the most important um, as you prepare for any big event. It doesn't just have to be world, but... Uh, one is the vet check and the, you know, Cairo massage and your farrier. Make sure you organize all that stuff. You have your paperwork for Coggins, health certificates, all that in order. Number two, your checklist, what you're going to take and being prepared um, for your truck and trailer tires, all that stuff. Lights, make sure everything's good. Number three is your game plan that you're going to treat it like you would your best runs. You're not going to change things up. Um, Number four, maybe getting one or two timing runs beforehand to get yourself ready. Uh, as long as the ground is safe and you think it'd be advantageous beforehand. Again, you have to know your horse. Um, 
you know, if, if you keep your horse race fit and they are used to going to two a month and that'll benefit you to get to a couple beforehand, then you should. Um, if you go more often, you don't want them to go in there sore, but you don't want them, you know, where you guys don't feel like you've made a timing run recently either. So whatever you think is best on that. Um, and then uh, number five is your mental game, getting in your zone, whether that's your breathing or your visualizing. Um, and then number six, um, focusing on your best runs and letting go of anything else. And then number seven, um, extras for your horse to make them more comfortable while they're there. So those are all things that are important. So I hope that's helpful for you guys. And and ultimately, just to really enjoy yourself. I know you're going there because you're competitive and you want to do well. And that's really important. Um, but you will do well as long as you do the things that I mentioned by being prepared, practiced, and um, and knowing how to get yourself and your horse in the go go zone, okay? So let's see. Some questions I had come in. Uh, if they, I think shoeing or barefoot is better for traction. So my answer for that, it's going to be, it really depends on the horse. I think God knew what he was doing when he made horses hooves. Um, I do think barefoot is probably more natural and healthy for a horse if they can go barefoot. There's no nail holes. You don't get the contracted heels. But there is a time and a place for shoes. And your farrier will usually advise you or your vet when to do that. And it, that would be for protection or correction and sometimes traction. So protection would be if you're going to places with a lot of rocks or hard clay or cement. Um... Correction would be if you've got flat feet or thin soles, no heel, long toe, things like that where they need to make some changes for your horse. Um, there are lots of different types of shoes out there. You've got those safe grip shoes that are good for traction. You've got your rim shoes versus your keg shoes. Now, some people don't like a rim shoe on the back of a horse. They're afraid it puts too much torque on the hock. But if you just have a keg shoe and your horse is slipping, you can risk pulling a, a muscle in the hips and the stifling area, areas like that, hamstrings. So, so you kind of have to evaluate, okay, what's best? There's polo shoes, there's aventers, there's aluminum, there's steel. And like, like I mentioned, every horse is going to be different. It's trial and error. And that's where you have to have a really good relationship with your farrier and your vet and be able to tell them, hey, this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like my horse is sticky out there. I feel like my horse is slipping out there. You know, I feel like my horse is tripping or whatever. And some of it can be horsemanship. Some of it can be ground. Some of it can be uh, horses, you know, balance and collection and their foundation. Um, but some of it sometimes can be a farrier thing where you might need to change an angle or a shoe with a little better traction or, or whatever. So as far as if I think shoeing or barefoot is better for traction, I would honestly say it depends on the horse um, and the ground. You know, you get some ground that's all deep sand. Sometimes you get clay, clay and sand mixes. You know, it all really does um, change up quite a bit. So another question came in because it's such a wet time of year and it's hot and it's humid is best treatments for thrush and for white line. So um, this time of year, you have to work really hard to keep these horses feet good. And um, because thrush is extremely painful, if you have a, a frog that's getting deep cracks in it, 
that's really painful. So a product I like is called Chamaro and it's for actually lactating, dry lactating cows, you know, where they get mastitis type stuff. You can get it at Valley Vet and places like that. Just Google it. But it's in, in a little syringe. It's very convenient. You can stick it right in that frog crack and it goes right down there. I mean, it works fast. You can even put a little cotton ball on there with a little toothpick, push it in there if you want to, to make it last longer, keep the dirt out. Um, that's always an option as well. I really like that for thrush. If you're dealing with white line, you know, cracks and cracks, um, there's a product called Clean Tracks. You can soak your horse's foot in medicine boots and um, you mix that stuff up. And I think you have to soak it for like 20, 30 minutes. But um, I, I do, what I do is a little bit different. I'll mix it up and then I just do a little bit at a time, like once a week with it. And, um, and I kind of do that a little bit different. But some people do the whole thing at once and soak them. That you can even do it with bags and tape it off and and such, but but everybody does it a little different. There's also a product called Copper Copper Sulfate. It's root destroyer and it's what makes ponds blue that people like swim horses in. Um, that will help with white line disease as well. There's a couple other products you can just buy any old time like hardener, hoof hardener. You can get the um, uh, Curatox or the Venice Turpentine and that will help if you've got soft feet them every time you clean them especially if they're in the wet grass every morning you walk from the house to the barn your shoes are going to be soaking wet with morning dew on the grass so even if you don't have rain you still have morning dew so uh venice turpentine or copper or keratox you can type um, paint it right on the soles of their feet don't want it on the coronary bands or anything like that you can also put desitin uh, in the coronary bands to keep so much water going up into their feet or their, what am I trying to say, up into the hairline so that they don't get like those scabbies that they can get because some horses will get cellulitis in the summer if they even get a little scratch on their legs from rubbing or from bug bites or too much water, you know, moisture in their feet uh, or legs. Um, so you can do little things like that to help uh, always keeping an antibiotic ointment around um you know i use some essential oils coconut oil cypress oil for circulation um i'll use lavender essential oil for bug bites um you know tea tree oil if i think i've got any kind of fungal or bacterial thing going on on a leg but I always mix that with coconut oil because it's um and whenever you massage a horse's legs you always want to do it upward for circulation as well that's important um Let's see here. The next question was about bits and babies. Um, I am not a huge fan of a port bit or a molen bit for babies. I know some people like them as a correction bit or for stiffer, a horse that overbends and they want to stiffen them up. But babies are a little bit different. If you're riding colts from two to five years old, two to five, you should be getting their teeth checked every six months because um, one, they've got caps that could be coming off. Um, they've also got uh, wolf teeth that could come in. Um, there's a lot going on in babies' mouths, so you want to get those sharp points um, down as well. Um, I just really, I'm a big fan of a side pull, like a S hack or a beetle hack to start babies in. Um, I like a three-piece mouthpiece or a chain mouthpiece or even a smooth two-piece. I think any of those, like in an O-ring or a D-ring or a short shank um, type junior cow horse or 
professional choice maturity bit. Um, any of those are really mild for babies. You could try the Loomis, um, the Goose Tree Simplicity. Any of those are pretty mild bridles. They all can come in different mouthpieces. Um, but, you know, there's a zillion bits on the market. You just have to find, here's the thing about bits. A bit more knowledge is usually best, but here's the thing. Um, a horse has to like it, and you have to feel comfortable in it, and that's what it comes down to. Um, you're, you, it's got to fit your hands, that the feel for how you ride, and a horse has to like it in their mouth. If they're totally disgusted with it, you know, like, I don't think you should be putting babies in big old shank bits at this point. I don't, you know, I don't think they need that. Um, if you feel like your horse is strong, then you need to slow down and go back to basics, you know, especially if they're babies. Um, if you feel a little safer with, with a little bit more than an O-ring on them, I, I understand. But but um, it shouldn't be about bits, you know, it shouldn't be about tie downs or martingales. It really should be about basic, about foundation. It should be about exposure and exhibitions at a pace that they can handle it. So keep that in mind when you're training your horse. If you get somewhere and they're working great at home, but you get somewhere and they're all wild, do some groundwork and just ride them, warm them up a little longer. And maybe your planned exhibition, it's not going to go the way you had hoped. You're not going to get to lope exhibitions that day. Maybe you can just walk and trot and let him sit in the holding pen area and get used to the sights and the sounds. And then next time, they'll be ready for more. That's babies. They're humbling. They take a lot of time. Think of puppies versus old dogs. And, and But it's a thousand pound puppy. <laughs> so anyways, all right. The next question was about essential oils for tumors. So, um, you know, I've had really great luck. I've helped several clients and my own horses with um, sarcoids, which is not a, it's a benign tumor. It's not uh, malignant. Um, giving dynamite sod orally for a month and then using um, dynamite's wound salve with a few drops of frankincense essential oil in it. And um, literally, I've seen sarcoids go away in 30 to 60 days if they're um, the size of a quarter or smaller. Um, if they're bigger than that, it might take longer. Um, but the reason you treat them on the inside is because you have to treat the inside. A lot of times, horses can get sarcoids just from vaccination reaction, um, you know, stress, um, palominos and grays and paints get them because they're missing a gene that bays and browns and sorrels and chestnuts have, and they're more prone to those kind of things. Um, but they can get them too, the red horses. Um, but the melanoma, I, I can't say that, that, that I have anything that will cure it, but definitely I feel like the sod and the frankincense and the salve same thing you use on the sarcoid could definitely relieve some of the pain and maybe keep it from getting any bigger at least. Um, at least calm down the agitated state that a, a melanoma tumor can get in. So that would be my suggestion. Okay, next question was about hitting barrels going into it. Um, I may not get to, I'm already at 30 minutes. I may not get to the chapter I wanted to discuss today. I may have to save it for next time. I had more questions than I was expecting. Um, hitting barrels going in. Um, if you're hitting a barrel going in, first you need to look at rider cues. Um, work on straighter longer, meaning look past the barrel, not at the barrel. Ride with even hands. Drive with your feet more. Sit up until you're in the hole. 
um, some tuning up that could help the rider and the horse would be circles and true turns. I have videos for that. Um, you have to, your mental game, you've got to teach yourself to look at your arc and then spots one, two, three. Um, you can't be like fence, fence, fence all the time. You've got to think through your whole run. Arc, spot one, spot two, next barrel. Or if you have a rollback horse, spot one, spot two, spot three, next barrel. Spot one, spot two, spot three, next barrel. Um, if you have a four-wheel drive horse, usually you can just think arc, spot one, spot two, spot one, spot two. You know, sometimes you have to think straighter, longer, looking in the hole or, or past the horse or past the barrel, I mean. So everybody's got a little bit different horse. They're going to need a little bit different cues, but that's the gist of it. Um, you can definitely stay two hands and keep tension on that balance rein, but do not pull on it where you cause a counter arc effect where the nose go out and the shoulder goes in. But try to keep those hands even where you have even pressure on your direct rein, your inside rein, and even pressure on your outside rein. So you're within an inch from being able to bump and release to keep them straighter longer. Um, as you drive with your feet, you can use outside leg and two hands even keeping contact on that balance rein. That'll keep your horse squared up. What happens is you'll often see people not separating rate and turn. They'll start to sit for rate or the horse will start to rate and then the horse and the rider both anticipate the turn and the rider will look in and lift up and the horse will drop the shoulder before they're ever at the barrel. The shoulders get in, the hip gets out. That's going to cost you valuable time on the clock, one. And number two, they go in there in bad form. So the best runs you're going to see a horse is standing up square in a straight line from the barrel they just left to their next spot one, which is three to five feet to the side of the barrel till your leg gets the barrel. You can sit before the barrel, but when you sit, that's a separate cue because you're still looking between the ears. Your shoulders and hips are still even. Your hands are still even. Your legs may be still on your horse even as you sit. Um, if it's a push horse, if it's a free runner, you may sit and take your legs off. But, um, and you may say, whoa, but on the push horse, you might smooch even when you sit down and keep your hands even. But the turn cue is when you actually, um, even if let's say you go to the horn when you sit for eight and you don't move your hand and you keep everything still saying go forward, hands low and forward, eyes are forward, everything's still shoulders, hips are still forward, legs are saying go forward. That's still a go forward cue. It's not until you look at spot two with your face, slightly turn your hips and shoulders, that that, that is your turn cue. You may even release your hand a little in a flat knuckle position at that point, or you may bump with your inside hand to say, go ahead and start your turn. Again, depending on the horse and, and if you're, you know, needing to help them or leave them alone. So, um, so that's the thing. You just don't want to be on their head. You don't want to mix mix them up by giving the rate and the turn cue at the same time. If you feel like it's a horse thing, um, if you feel like it's a horse more than the rider, then the circles and the true turns will help. All lefts, all rights could help you with three barrels or four. Um, those are all really good things that you could do. Um, I think that would be helpful. So let's see here. I have any more questions oh and i've started the september personal best list i meant to mention that uh let's see here oh this is a comment um two people in the group recently had really awesome runs and the only change they made one was an alley issue one was a rate issue 
and the only change they made was no more feed, just quality hay and minerals for their horses. One, um, no more alley issues, and the other one, no more rate issues. So that's how important um, diet is for a horse. If you've got a bunch of grass growing and you're feeding grain and hay, you may be having quite the little energizer horse underneath you. So sometimes you've got to think if the, you know, okay, we've got green grass, maybe I can cut their feet out or back the hay down or whatever. But a lot of times if you're just doing it, I'd rather have a high forage diet because it's more natural for horses. If you don't have pasture, you can still feed quality like O&A or TNA or something like that. A grass hay with a little alfalfa. Um, but just doing that for your horse. Um, cutting out the feed, they were able to have these good results. So that's something I want you to keep in mind. Um, that's why we keep our horse keeping records. Um, that's part of my performance tracker. Be like, okay, what's changed? You know, oh, I stopped giving that supplement or, oh, I, I stopped doing this or, oh, we added this, you know, and then, you know, my horse was doing great until I added this feed and now they're like a little kid on the candy store. You know, um, so you just have those things to think about. So, um, okay. So I think I will go ahead and hold off on the topic and cover it next week just because I've been talking for almost 40 minutes now. I am going to close with Philippians 4.13. You can do all things through God, through Christ who strengthens you. Um, you know, I want you guys, um, I know, I know you're in this because I know you compete because you want to do well. Um, so just remember that if you practice with a purpose and you work at this a little bit every day, you will succeed. But along the way, you have to truly, um, be thankful and grateful, you know, for every single run because it's a blessing. Um, and, you know, just somebody always has it worse than you. You don't know what people are going through. People always have something that they're dealing with, um, you know, and, and there's always going to be choices that you have to make. I, I was I had a pop-up memory on Facebook about 10 or 12 years ago, and it was like, I have a barrel race in two weeks. I'm having withdrawals and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that's how it used to be. If I wasn't going barrel racing every weekend, I was literally in a bad mood. You know, I it was a, it was, I had the need for speed. I was a junkie. Um, you know, and I have to say with age um, and doing it for a living, training horses, and it just wore you out. I mean, it's a lot of work doing it for a living and, and on, on the weekends too. So, um, it's a lot. It's a lot, lot, lot. So I don't miss it like that anymore. Um, and I'm just in a different place now with my horses being retired and my hip and everything else. So um, it's funny, though, how things change. And I'm bringing that up because um, these, if, you, if it's something that brings you joy and you love it, you should do it. And, and don't forget why you're out there doing it. Yes, you want to win. Yes, you want to do your best. But if you really hunger it, you know, you want to, let's just put it this way. When you're in that state of mind, when you're in that place, a bad day barrel racing is still better than a good day doing anything else. 
you know, and that can count for hanging out at the beach, on the boat, in the water, whatever. So, you know, I know what that feels like to want that more than anything else. So anyways, um, <laughs> you just got to enjoy it. Enjoy that horse because there's only so many runs at every horse before they retire, just like any professional athlete. So anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, um, ride with heart and God bless. Thank you.